ever tell you about the time in college, I think it was in one of my psych classes, that I had to write a paper on whether or not the purge could actually happen? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. You never told me. I was like, oh, (laughs) but never mind. No, wait, you didn't. It. Tell me about it now. First off, I think it's so stupid. One, the idea that the purge could be a thing. And that, and remind me, that's like for a day. Yeah, for 12 hours, uh, all crime is legal except against like government officials, basically. And that's stupid as fuck. Yeah. Because also there's like no police and no fire department. Like there's no emergency services during the time. What? So, and there were quite a few people that were like, no, I honestly think that this could definitely happen. And I'm like, look, just back up a little bit and think about things on more than just a personal scale do you think other countries would trade with us if for one day a year (laughs) we just like laws didn't exist also do you know what laws are like what do you know how this works (laughs) like laws are so much more than like don't murder people like what happens if you rob a bank or like corporate white collar embezzle that's the word Something like embezzle that... a shit ton of money. Is that just cool? Also, the whole premise is stupid because the idea yeah. is like that the poor and the, the 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 rich people want this to happen because the poor and like the homeless people will kill each other off and it like makes unemployment basically zero. Which one that's fuck? not how unemployment works. And two, literally like the rich people have the most to lose. Yeah, because they could be victims because they're rich, and yeah. they could be murdered, and they can... It's very interesting that you're bringing this up Oh, in this episode. Why? Oh. Well, people will understand in a moment. Okay. And by a moment, I mean whenever it's my turn. It's I, go, turn. I, I like, go second oh. this time. Um, anyway, yeah. So I wrote just the scathing paper about how it was dumb. Our professor was like, it was a really good paper, you know, maybe be more open to, you know, the idea of it possibly could happen. I'm like, literally, it could not. Like, it could, like, if the government collapsed, people start acting like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what The Purge is about. So I'm like, literally, no. Well, and you were asked to have an opinion, and you had one in the strong one. So like, why yeah. were they like, consider the other opinion? And you're like, oh. Okay, yeah, I'll consider it for a paragraph because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to introduce the counterpoint, write a paper, but other than that... It also annoyed me that we spent, like, two two or three, like, three class periods um, watching the movie. Oh. Because all I can think about is, how much fucking money am I paying to watch this movie in class? Oh, because watching movies point. in high school class, oh, perfect, great. In college, I'm like, literally, I'm paying thousands of dollars, or let, let's let even go by credit hour. I'm paying hundreds of dollars for each credit hour to watch this movie. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Uh, that's an uh, I never thought of that when I was in yeah. college, but it's true. That is honestly how I... Because, like, freshman year, I, like, skipped class a bunch. I was like, I don't want to. 
And then I thought about it like that. My friend actually kind of gave me that perspective. And I was like, oh, my God. She was like, you know, is it worth a couple hundred dollars for you to have an hour off? And I was like, no. She was like, then why are you skipping? And I was like, fuck. That okay. is good perspective. Yeah. But anyway, hello. Yes. Hello, everyone. This is Blood and Wine. I'm Brittany. I'm Tyler. And we are... Recording again on a weeknight. Yeah, it's Wednesday. It's becoming a little bit more normal, and I don't, I don't hate it as much as the first time. I, I don't, mean, okay, the let me first time. That. When was the first time? Well, we've recorded on weeknights more than once. And we have. While it's not ideal, the first time was like, oh my god, why are we doing this? This yeah. is a weeknight. But honestly, it's not too bad. No, it's it's not that late. It's eight o'clock. Um, Anyway, it's yeah. nice. I mean, I wanted wine today. I wanted wine all day. Same. Oh my god, I work have was just a lot today. It was good. It was a good day at work. It was just a very long, very productive, but very busy day. Well, and that's one of the reasons I think I like recording on a weeknight is I look forward to the wine. Yes. So and I'm really looking forward to today's wine. Yes, it's, it's special. It is. It is special. And this episode is also special. And you'll find out in a little bit why. Yes, you will. Well, I want to take this opportunity to let y'all know that y'all should subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Yes. Whether it's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneFM, all the... TuneFM? What's that one? I don't know. It's another one that I saw because I Googled us because I was like, oh, let's see. What'd you find? Well, I found a bunch of websites were on that I was like, I've never heard of that. And then I found one that was like, uh, like podcast notes or something. And it what? looked like something to, when I first saw it, I was like, oh shit, is this a program that hears it and like transcribes it? Yeah. And it wasn't, it was just another platform. Oh, yeah. My friend actually has a, a, a company or a product that does that. It's called oh. uh, Podfriend. Oh. They haven't launched it just yet. They're working on it, but I think it's such an amazing concept. Yeah, because I'm sure there are so many people out there who want podcasts and want that kind of delivery and conversational stuff, but are hard of hearing or right. are deaf and or just for some reason, you know, can't listen to yeah podcasts and so being able to read it and have it in front of you like shit i know and then for the people as well who just want to follow along with words yeah sometimes you can listen and follow along mm-hmm. and it you know you digest the information yeah. a little bit more i wonder what our podcast would look like on one of these i have no idea because it's very much a conversation but we're not speaking novella or anything here. I mean, true. But on the reverse of this, I one of my uh, favorite YouTubers I was watching, he did an episode where he kind of like spent a day or a couple days with a woman who's blind. Mm-hmm. And he's written a couple books. And she, the most recent one came out like three or four years ago, like a while ago. Yeah. And she asked him, she was like, are you ever going to release the audiobook for the second one? I've I've been waiting. I want to I want to be able to like hear it, read it. Yeah. And he just like broke down because he was like I didn't do an audiobook for it because I didn't want to. 
I was just, I was like, oh, I don't want to have to, like, sit there and read it. I don't want to, like, no. Because, like, that was when he realized, it's like, holy shit. There are so many people out there who want to yeah. consume this media and can't. And I just didn't do it because I was just being fucking lazy. And it, I was, I, like, started crying. It was, it was a really good episode. But Yeah, that is <sighs> a really good episode. It's so important to remember that there's all these different ways to consume media. And while it's great and awesome to have a lot of options, not everyone has those options. In, in the sense of, if you're blind, you can't see to read. If you're deaf, you can't hear to listen. And so you need to have those alternatives. So for some, for a lot of us, it's many options. Yeah. And then for a lot of other people, it's just an option. Well, and also one thing that kind of goes along with this is I was reading something about like infomercial products. Everyone loves to make fun of them. Like, oh my God, that's stupid. Why do you need this like whatever kitchen utensil that's ridiculous or this big ass thing to put a sock on? And they're not for, for the most time they're not developed for the lazy person they're developed for the person with arthritis who literally can't bend down and put their socks on so many infomercial products if you actually look at them yeah are for people with disabilities or diseases or syndrome stuff that they can't do a lot of these things and need this help they need this additional product and i was like holy shit that makes a lot of sense and it, I don't know, it just made me kind of think about it, like, huh, people shit on these all the time. Like, haha, what fucking idiot needs this? And just to think about hearing that or seeing that as someone who... Needs it? For their... Yeah, yeah just to get through <laughs> their day, to cook by themselves or do all this. They need that. Yeah. And, I don't know. It just, check your privilege, y'all. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's a really good perspective to have to, I don't know, before you shit on something, make yeah. sure... Not everyone's Be careful ex- where you shit, I guess. Yeah. Not everyone's experience is yours. Yeah. But. While you were saying this, I was trying to think of, okay, but there's got to be an infomercial that I've seen that's ridiculous. I hadn't think of a single one. Mm-hmm. So, point in case. Yeah. And with that, uh, XOXO. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. I was like, <laughs> wow. The shortest episode. Just kidding, you guys. Um, this one, we didn't go over crime. We just <laughs> lectured. I don't know. <laughs> We just wanted to talk about college days and checking your privilege. (laughs) All the stuff y'all come here to listen about. (laughs) None of the blood or the wine. None of the blood or the wine. (laughs) Well, on that note, do we want to hop into the topic for this week's episode? Yes, I'm very excited about this topic. I am too. So, last week's episode, I lost. Mm Mm-hmm. And we decided this would actually be a great time to introduce our first Patreon Cabernet Sauvignon Convict topic choice. Yes. Yes. And this first one is going out to Jeremy. Shout out to Jeremy. This is his topic idea. Also, this is birthday month. So happy happy birthday, birthday, Jeremy. Happy birthday, Jeremy. We love your support and uh, love that you engage with us and that we have conversations with you. And we're... Really excited to do your topic. I know. This the the second he sent it to us and we read it over, I was like, holy shit. First off, I was kind of annoyed that we hadn't thought of this already because hey. I had never thought of it. And I was like, No. Damn, that's good. Yes. And so 
that is why I love this part of oh, Patreon absolutely. because it gives us ideas or, or, or our listeners can give us ideas. Also, y'all can always give us ideas, but it's a way to pick the topic and we have to do it mm-hmm. and we will. So for those that don't know, um, we do have a Patreon page and we have a lot of different levels mm-hmm. that you can support us there. They range from a dollar a month up to about 15 and we mm-hmm. use that. We're creating our website right now. We're going to be launching that soon. We're working on getting merch in order, working on tech equipment to make mm-hmm. this sound better and better for you guys. So Patreon is just how y'all can help support our dreams come true, Absolutely. which sounds super cheesy, but it, this is turning into something, and we're yeah. we're loving seeing it, and we couldn't do it without you. Absolutely. So check out our Patreon if you're interested. And also, there are short episodes we call mm-hmm. Murder Minis. We do. We were... And those are released every other Thursday. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've ever said the release date, but it's every other Thursday yeah, for the Murder Minis. Have. Yeah, every other Thursday. We also are looking to have other things that are Patreon exclusive. So in a few episodes, I know we're doing um, some more different recipes. Yeah, we have our sangria recipe from from the 4th of July episode. Yes. And we'll have, obviously, some type of holiday Mm -hmm. one as well, mulled wine or something of the Mm -hmm. such. But, I mean, why not? Yeah. And then, I mean, if as we move on, or as we move on, (laughs) now, as we grow and kind of expand what this podcast is, there, you know, there are some more ideas of stuff that could go um, on the Patreon exclusive. So. Yeah. So tune in to Patreon. Check it out. Yeah. I don't know if you can. All right. Can... XOXO. <laughs> you can tune in to. <laughs> you can tune into the murder minis. Yes. Um. Anyway. That was a struggle. Yeah. A little bit it was. <laughs> well, I was looking at you and you were doing the XOXO and I was like, I already did that. Why are you doing it again? Because but... I wanted to. Yeah, I know. Well, I've left everyone in mystery yes. to talk about Patreon. This week's topic is buried alive murders. Mm. It's just so creepy and eerie and different and it's, unique. I love it. It's literally one of my greatest fears. I mean, uh, I... I thought you were about to say it's like one of your favorite topics, but that is no, not at all No, it's the opposite of that. It's <laughs> one of my greatest fears because just... The idea of being... So, I'm super claustrophobic. Um, well, it is something I can see why that, this is a fear then. Yeah. Something I've dealt with for a while. And, you know, for the most part in everyday life, it doesn't come up. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of elevators, especially when they're crowded. Yeah. But, like, you know... I mean, no I, one I work in a high-rise. I'm not going to not take the elevator. <laughs> right. So... I actually, a couple, this is such a side tangent, but I'll come back. A couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, me and a coworker got trapped in an elevator. Oh, yeah. I remember this. For like a half hour. Like, we got on the elevator, the doors closed, and on the elevators at work, the buttons are on the outside. So, like, you press the button, you know, like, oh, I want to go to this floor, um, on the little machine, and then one of the elevators, it tells you which elevator to go in, it opens up. So in the elevator, there's no buttons. Really. Oh my god! There's like a call the fire department, and there is an open door and closed door button. Yeah. So we get in the elevator. Oh, and we're just like chatting. Couple ten seconds go by, and I'm like, "Are we? We're not moving." 
And we were like, oh, that's annoying. I hit the open door button and nothing happens. Yeah. And we're like, okay. All right. It's just us two. And the lights go out in the elevator. So it's just us two. And we're like, okay. All right. This is horrifying. Yeah. Okay. But she was kind of getting like, <laughs> all right. Ooh, okay. It's getting hot in here. And I was like, oh, no. We're just here. I called the people. They, they said the dude's going to fix it. He's going to be here in like 30 minutes. Which, fixer dude was 30 minutes away. One. God. And so I was just trying to be very like, oh, no, don't worry. Let's do that. We'll sit down. Like, haha, if it gets hotter in here, I might take off my shirt. You know. Yeah, just joking. And... Inside, I'm like, okay, 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 okay. So, super fun. So, anyway, I'm very claustrophobic. Being buried alive is, like, peak claustrophobia. Yeah. Absolutely not. Maybe my my least favorite way to die. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, fair. So, one thing, a little bit of history on buried alive, and this isn't necessarily murders, but back in the day, and oh, I wish yeah. I wish I could tell you years or whatnot. I'm sure this was, like, 1700s, I, 1600s. Uh, 1500s? I think it was actually, like, up until Victorian era, like, the mid to late 1800s. Okay, okay, and that makes sense, but so for a very long time, when people were buried, there would be a string inside the coffin to a little bell that was above ground, and this is because there were people who were buried alive by accident. You know, medical technology wasn't anywhere near it is now. It was, unfortunately, not out of the question to think someone's dead, and they're not. And so there are horror stories of, I don't know, the bells being heard in the middle of the night, and the gravediggers rushing over there to get them out, or when people, for some reason or another, were exhumed. A lot of times it had to do with, like, vampires and stuff that they were looking into, looking into people's hearts and whatnot. And there would be nail scratches on the inside of the coffin, Mm -hmm. because... They weren't dead. Mm -hmm. And it's absolutely horrifying. And I don't know when exactly the bell stopped being a thing, but that fact in and of itself is terrifying. So two things I have to say about this. First off, what if it was windy? Are all all the bells just like ringing in the wind? Oh, (laughs) what if it was windy? What do you think I said? Well, I was like, who's windy? (laughs) <laughs> no, windy with an I. What if like a windstorm rolls through, all the bells are going off, and you're like, I just really hope it's just the wind. <laughs> you're just like, the 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 night person. The whatever. night watchman? <laughs> the know. caretaker? Yes, the thank care- you. The caretaker. <laughs> the caretaker's just sitting there, and he's like, well, that one's going off. So's that one. Oh, shit, so's that one. Like, I'm just gonna... I'm going to leave them. Second, I just think it's so interesting how the definition of death has changed. Because, you know, it used to be the heart is stopped. That means someone's dead. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, in every episode of Grey's Anatomy, everyone's heart stops. And they just shock them back to life. They give them some epi. And they're, uh, you know, it brings them back. They're not dead. Right. And even people who, you know, 
you perform CPR on them. Yeah. And they come back because that's not the definition of death. On the flip side, there's brain death where, you know, your organs, your might still be working. Yeah. But you are dead. So I just think it's so fascinating how with the medical advancements and all of the, all the science that goes into it, that we've learned so much more and just how the definition of death changes. Yeah. Well, and think about it when someone is receiving a heart transplant. Mm-hmm. There's a period of time there when there is no heart in their body. Yeah, but they're absolutely but alive. But they're alive. They're not dead. Well, and also when you're put on bypass. Mm-hmm. Your exactly. body's not using your heart and mm-hmm. your heart's not beating. And uh, the machine's doing the beating or whatever. Yeah. And so it's you're right. The, the definition of what constitutes death and when to make that call mm-hmm. has very much evolved over time. Oh, yeah. And, and who knows what it's going to evolve into. With more medical technological advances, it's yeah. it's just kind of crazy. Oh, absolutely! Because I where think where we can be like half robot and yeah. still going. That's horrifying. But because I think like, right plausible. now it is uh, robots freak me out. I don't want to think about them. But because I think now the definition is like you have to have no more like circulatory or respiratory functions. Oh. And your brain and has to be, like, has have no function, including your brainstem. Like, which is just, that's so much more than it was 100 years ago. Or shit, even, like, 50 years ago. And it's just, yeah. it's so fascinating. No, it really is. I don't know. Sometimes I think that, like, it would have been really cool to, like, go into medicine. Yeah. I don't think it's so much as medicine as I do um, going to law school. Really? Yeah. I, ever since this true crime passion has really been something that we're doing mm-hmm. on a more regular basis, it's made me think about, oh, wow, this would be something really cool if I was you know, doing work with like an innocence project mm-hmm. or being a defendant for... I don't know. It'd be hard. I don't know if I'd rather be a prosecution or a defense lawyer. Yeah. Because it depends. Because on both sides, you could be defending someone who you know is guilty or prosecuting someone you know is innocent. That is true. And so there's no, there's no essentially better way. Um, See, that's so interesting because I had the option i get it it's a it was a common career path for people with my degree to go into law school oh and absolutely I did that makes not sense want to yeah i was like no but i well, always demanding yeah well i but i always so was like school oh, i want to go to med school but i mean i guess i still could i'm not going to you still could and i still could i'm not that, going to i'm good without that kind of debt so yeah same <laughs> But now that we're on the subject of debt, I think we need wine. I think we need wine, and I want you to tell us about the wine that you picked this week. So, the wine I chose is the Valformosa Classic Brute Cava. Yes, our first bubbles! Bubbly! Oh my gosh, I'm excited. So, cava 
is sparkling wine from Spain, similar to how Prosecco is sparkling wine from Italy and Champagne is sparkling wine from the Champagne region of France. Correct. Cava is Spanish. Yes. So, and for people who didn't know that, all, like, if if you're drinking Champagne, mm-hmm. if it's actually Champagne, it means it's from France. Yeah. And if you're drinking Cava, it means it's from Spain. Like, it... That is how it is. And maybe it's just me, but I feel like Prosecco is one that people just know. I'm like, oh yeah, Prosecco, that's Italian. Mm -hmm. But I don't think there's always the mental click of like, it's the same thing. I mean, different grape varietals, of course, but the sparkling aspect of it Well, I think champagne is just the term people use now for sparkling wine. It is, but I just wanted to let y'all know it's incorrect unless it's from France. The Champagne region in France. So also with this being brute, when it comes to sparkling wine, brute is like not sweet. Uh, yes, how we like to, it. Yeah. So the color of this wine is a light straw with greenish hints. Ooh, green. The bubbles are peppy and lively. On the nose, the fruity aromas are a mixture of apple with hints of apricot and toast. The palate is harmonious and appetizing, with light touches of acidity. I have never heard of any of these grapes. Me, oh, me neither. So, the cava is best enjoyed chilled on its own, as an aperitif, or with most foods. So, just drink it. Just drink it whenever you want. <laughs> so, fun fact, these grapes are actually harvested by hand. Oh. Um, and... The various varietals are picked from the first to the third week of September in the Alt Pendes region. Oh, for this specific wine? Yeah. Oh, dang. Are you going to read these grape varietals? Yeah, I will in a second. Oh, okay. So the wine undergoes a traditional method of fermentation with the first taking place in stainless steel tanks at controlled temperatures uh-huh. and the second actually occurring in the bottle. Um, and it's okay. aged an average of at least 12 months or so. 12 to 15 months God, this before. Be so good. Oh, yeah. And this cava is a mix of three different grapes. So it's 40% Zarello, 30% Macabeo, and 30% Parayada yeah. grapes. All three I've never heard of. Me neither. So I'm interested. And also, this cork is... Probably going to be the loudest cork we've ever done, just by nature. Yeah, it probably will. It better be. (laughs) Oh, God. Which, I think it's interesting. There are so many people that are terrified to open sparkling wine. Because we'll have have mimosas at work, I don't know, maybe like once a month or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then you hear all the screams. Everyone screams and people are like... I try to open it and I'm like okay you know not to do the thumb under it right because that's how you hurt someone like you hand over twist and pull like that's yeah and don't point it towards your face and don't point it towards someone else's face or towards breakable things I mean yeah that's true so here we go sorry dogs in advance all right Well, they didn't didn't jump too much. No, Max is very concerned about that was. Or he just wants a glass. Oh, look, there's a heart on the bottom. Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Right. This is going to be awesome. We are going to have so many glasses. I know. I was about to say, these glasses are much smaller. And we're going to pour so many. I know. Cheers. Cheers. 
That's good. Yeah, that is very bubbly. It is very bubbly. I can feel that for sure. Mm-hmm. It's very dry. Mm-hmm. Sweetness a little bit at the end. A little bit, like a, just a hint, but yeah, that's I, good. I will say, I know little to nothing about sparkling wine, and as far yeah. as the fermenting process, and is it carbonation in it that makes it bubbly? Like, how's it bubbly? Yeah, it, so it's from the fermentation process. Instead of letting the gas from the yeast and the microbes that are eating the sugar, instead of letting the gas escape, it's like goes into the wine. Okay. And then opening it, much like opening a, a can of Coke after you open it, that's when the gas suddenly, the pressure's gone and it can become gas again. Wait, that's how Coke is carbonated too? Well, not with, no. It's, Coke is carbonated with like Car- machines. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. I was just like, I was like, whoa, the can does it. Like I'm part of this process. No. Also had no idea about the bottle though. Like that's mm-hmm. really cool. That's why they're pressurized and it's always usually a much thicker glass. Mm-hmm. Always usually. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Well, I'm a fan. Also, I the reason I got the kava for this episode is because it's a celebration for our first um, Patreon episode. Yeah. Patreon Picks episode. It is. Patreon um, Picks. That's what I should have said earlier. Yeah, I like it. But So, thank you, Jeremy. Yep, thank you, Jeremy. This, uh, We're celebrating you know, it. Let's toast to Jeremy. We'll toast to Jeremy and, again, say happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, that was better. That was a really good clink. All right. Well... Now that we've had our fun moments and cheery times. Oh, God. Let's get into the not fun moments. Let's get into the crimes. This week, you're starting. And I am very intrigued to to see what topic you picked. Or, I mean, excuse me, which case you picked. Yeah. I. So, this one actually wasn't as hard to research as I feared. There's definitely a few... High profile ones. There are a lot more than I thought there were. Yeah. And interestingly, the ones that I looked at, because this to me obviously has a very like mafia or Russian mobster kind of feel to it, being buried alive. Yes. Didn't see a lot of that. No. At all. More, mostly just like fucked up murders, which I mean, what mafia murders? is fucked up, but... Mafia is fucked up. Most murders are fucked up. But this one is especially fucked up. This is the kidnapping and murder of Nevaeh Buchanan. Okay. So, sources I used, Reddit, which this Reddit user had a just a really good, detailed story of the case that I you used know, a lot of. Reddit is something, I will admit... I don't use a ton. I read them, but I've never participated in them. I don't think I have a username. No. I want I, to become more involved. There's a lot of interesting good things on Reddit. There's a lot of not good things on Reddit. So I've I've always just been a little wary. But I guess any public forum like that, that's how it is. Hey, I'm sure you, you find some fucked up shit on like WikiHow. Oh, Yeah. Did you notice that on the top of the wine cork wire thing, there's a picture? Oh, it's the the Venters. It's an old couple. Yeah. That's Actually, sweet. it looks like a man and a, and a little boy. Oh, is it? I think it's the same as the picture that's on the back of the bottle. Oh, yeah, it is. It's a man and a little boy. 
Those are the Venters. That's the family. That's so cool. I it love is. that little detail. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but... No, you're good. One last happy moment. Yeah. So, anyway, yes. Used Reddit, uh, the Monroe News, 13 ABC in Toledo, and ABC News. So, this murder happened in Monroe, Michigan, which is nearish to Toledo. Toledo's okay. like the near big city for it. Five-year-old Nevea Buchanan was last seen... Five years old? Five years old. That's oh, why I was like... God! Fuck this case. Like, ugh. Because when I was researching, I I was drawn to this one, but I was like, I don't want to do another child. Yeah. But as I was looking at more, I was like, I want to uh, I want to tell her story. Yeah. So, yeah. Five-year-old Nevaeh Buchanan was last seen on Sunday, May 24th, 2009, at around 6.30 p.m. in the Charlotte Arms uh, apartment complex in Monroe, Michigan. So she had been outside, kind of, you know, just enjoying the warm May weather. It's Memorial Day weekend, and, you know, schools are closed on Monday. So she was outside playing in the little U-turn driveway um, of the complex. So, she actually wasn't supposed to be outside, and her mother, Jennifer, thought she was upstairs at a neighbor's playing with a friend who also lived in the apartment building. So, at about 8 p.m., Jennifer went up to the apartment to bring Nevaeh home and found out that she wasn't there. Nevaeh's friend told Jennifer that Nevaeh had gone outside to play, So Jennifer goes out into the apartment complex parking lot to find her, but instead sees her scooter abandoned and just alone lying there on the driveway, Mm -hmm. and Nevaeh is nowhere to be found. Oh my god, that's a nightmare. Yeah, it's every parent's worst nightmare. Yes. So Jennifer starts immediately searching the apartment complex around the grounds and uh, the nearby Kmart, and she couldn't find any sign of Nevaeh. So she became really worried and called the police. Mm-hmm. The police launched a large-scale hunt for Nevaeh, which began with officers and volunteers and grew to include canine dogs and helicopters. And at 12.30 a.m. on the 25th, so about four hours after she was reported missing, an Amber Alert was initiated. Mm-hmm. And at this time in 2009... Amber Alerts didn't go out to everyone's phone. You had to oh. specifically subscribe to them. And oh, they also God. went out. They went out to, like, all the radio, all the news, that yeah. kind. But you had to subscribe to them. And this is actually one of the reasons why Amber Alerts go out to everyone now. I think they should. Yeah. It's one of those things where I know that annoys some people. And I'm like, okay, get over it. It's a loud noise for, like, five seconds. Oh, yeah. Like, it... Like, sorry, it's important. but it's information that, yes, it's going to disrupt your day, but if you happen to know anything, then that's yeah. the whole point. Well, think of just, because there have been hundreds of children saved and found because an Amber Alert went out and someone was like, oh my God, I saw these two 12-year-olds that they're talking about. They're in this mall or whatever. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah. No, I am very pro-Amber Alert. I'm pro all of those alerts that you get on your phone. Because mm-hmm. if it's weather, if it's any anything, I am not pro when they mess up and send you... A missile warning. And yeah, yeah. that's some scary shit. 
I had a friend that was in Hawaii when that happened. And she was basically like, are we about to die? Oh, yeah. I I didn't know anyone who was in Hawaii at the time, but I read stories and stuff about how people, you know, some people didn't believe it. And people that did didn't really panic. They were like, okay, I'm going to call my mom. And let her know I love her. And I'm just like, the. there were thousands of people that were thinking they were about to die. Like, Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Like, what a fucking mistake to make. Yeah. That's but a big one. In regards to the weather thing, I think it's so important because, especially here in Austin, so much of the severe weather happens in the middle of the night. Yeah. And it's just so good that I know that if there was a tornado warning or something yeah. or a flash flood warning I need to be prepared for, it's going to go off. I'm going to be able to look at it and be like, <gasps> okay. And then, but that's huge because. Well, and also with today's world, people are watching streaming. We're watching Hulu. Mm-hmm. We're on Netflix. We're not watching live TV for no. the most part. At least I don't. I haven't had cable in 10 years almost. No. And it's, that is a really crazy thing to say out loud. But yeah, I haven't had cable in like 10 years and I don't plan on buying it. I've never had cable. After I moved out no, yeah, for college. No, reason. Since then, I've, so I've never paid for cable. You know, a couple of times my roommates and I, we thought about it. Cause it's like, well, I guess we could bundle it with the internet. Then we we're like, why? Why? Like what's, we have Netflix, we have Hulu, we have all yeah. the streaming stuff we'd want to watch. Yeah. Why? Well, and I have an antenna, Mm -hmm. which still exists, everyone. People use them. It's wonderful, but it's literally for news, sports, Mm -hmm. and things like Grey's Anatomy, like watching ABC. But that doesn't mean I'm watching that on the regular. When I was in Oklahoma, we had, we got an antenna for severe weather. Like, that was the only reason we would ever turn on the actual just channels was for severe weather. You know, if the Amber Alert stuff still wasn't going to everyone's phone, we would never know. Yeah. Because we're not watching TV and we're yep. not really listening to the radio. Nope. But, so, the police found nothing that first night. And so they begin to canvass the neighbors and the residents of the complex and eventually interviewed over 240 people. Oh my god, in it like a day? Um, Just over the course of the oh, investigation. Over the course, Okay. So, Jennifer, the mother, was actually questioned for hours by investigators. Of course. But ultimately, she didn't know anything. And from what I was reading, she was grateful for it. For being asked all the detailed questions. Yeah, because she was like, you know, I didn't do anything. I don't know where she is. But if they're grilling me this hard, they're going to find her. What a perspective. Some people's perspective in life blows me away. I try Mm -hmm. to have a positive perspective and a positive outlook. But there are some situations like that one. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. not a mom, but if I were in a situation similar to that, mm-hmm. where I'm being grilled for something I didn't do, yeah, the thought of but they'll they'll find who did, they'll find this, they'll find my girl, that would never cross my mind. Yeah, the, it, I would be like, I didn't do it. I don't know how. Why are you wasting your time on me? You should be finding the person who did this. Oh, that's amazing. So Tim Finley, who was visiting the apartments that night, said he left the complex around 7 p.m., which was around the time investigators thought that Nevaeh was abducted. Uh, He said that he didn't see any children playing outside, but he did see a little red car speed out of the parking lot. 
so the police made their first two arrests on May 25th, so the day after she was uh, reported missing. That's pretty quick. George Kennedy and Roy Lee Smith, who were two friends of Jennifer's, so two friends of Nevaeh's mother. Yeah. Both were brought in on parole violations, and both were registered sex offenders and have previously oh. been convicted in separate cases of sexual assault. I can see why they may yeah. have been pegged then. Yeah. So George Kennedy in 1998 was charged with statutory rape for having sex with a girl under 16. Um, do you know how old he was around that time? I do not. But he was an adult. He was an adult. Like an adult adult. Not like a... Not uh, like... He's 17 and she's 16. That's what I was getting at. Okay. He was absolutely an adult. Then, in 2002, he was accused of invading a 13-year-old girl's home and sexually assaulting her. Oh my god. So yeah. two. All of this led to a plea deal putting him in prison until he was released on parole. Roy Lee Smith was also accused and convicted of rape and served 15 years in prison until he was also released on parole. In regards to George Kennedy... Uh, Jennifer said she knew of his prior conviction. Oh, but, she did. But she said that she believes people should get a second chance. I get that. And she also said that she never left him alone with her daughter. You know, she's amazing for so many reasons. Mm -hmm. Because she gives people a second chance, but also is cautious. So police investigated Kennedy and Smith deeply. And early on, they really seemed like very likely suspects. In a search of Kennedy's motel room and van, which Smith also had access to, it revealed a bloody towel, a sharp-edged tool stained with red, and suggestive pictures of young girls. Oh my god. However, DNA taken from the blood-stained towel and the sharp-edged tool did not match Nevaeh's. No other... Oh, that's terrifying. Yeah. So no other physical evidence was found after this to support the theory of Kennedy or Smith killing Nevaeh. Yeah. And eventually they were dropped as suspects in the case. And police sent both them back to prison in early June uh, for their parole violations. Yeah, yeah. So they still went back to jail, but not for, um, not for abducting or murdering Nevaeh. Right, or not for whatever the fuck that stuff was in the back of the car. Yeah, I'm really interested in... What that could have been. I mean, for all I know, granted, the the pictures is, you can't really, one way or another that. Yeah. The bloody um, towel and the knife stained red could be from I mean, an it animal. It yeah. could Yeah. Like, because this is the very much. It was the Midwest. Yeah. They could be hunting. They could I... absolutely. Yeah. Yes. It just. It's, in this case, it's terrifying. Yes. On June 4th, Guy Bickley, along with his son and his father, found a little girl's body while they were fishing along the riverbank of the River Raisin. Oh. Ryan Bickley, who's 15, told Associated Press that his father had spotted a block of poured cement and was hit by this, a smell he likened to a decomposing body. How does he know what a decomposing body smells like? They're they're like a fishing and hunting family, so I would assume he's come oh, across decomposing animals and stuff yes, before. Yes, yes. 
I so, thought you were about to say, this is so stupid of my brain, but I thought you were about to be like, so this is not the first murder victim he's found. Uh, he's 15, so I hope not. No, I know. I told you my brain went yeah. a weird place, but. So Ryan said the smell overwhelmed them as his father moved closer to chip away at the piece of cement, which revealed what appeared to be human <gasps> skin. Um the oh, girl God. was wearing a shirt that matched the description of the clothing Nevaeh was last seen wearing. So it's just like a block of cement, as in like a blob covered in cement? or it's, So it's like a, a hole was dug in, she was put there, and then cement was poured over. So Got it. So it's like a, yeah. Got it. Oh my God. When Jennifer was told about the body, her brother said that she broke down and broke down hard. She couldn't believe her daughter had to go through this. And he added that if it was Nevaeh's body, uh, because when they told her that they found a little girl's body, they they needed to get her DNA. They needed to get Jennifer's DNA to do a test to see if this was Nevaeh. He added that if it was Nevaeh's body, it provides some kind of closure, even if it's for the worst. Nevaeh's grandmother, on the other hand, Sherry Buchanan, refused to believe it until she got proof. Yeah. She said that until they have DNA testing through Jennifer and match the blood type and everything to make sure, I'm just holding on to that thought in my heart. Oh, that's... Oh, God. Mm Mm-hmm. Nevea was found in a shallow grave on the west bank of the river, where beneath a layer of mossy mud, she was completely encased inside a cement block. No, baby. The concrete had outlined her final moments, (gasps) leaving her face contorted in a permanent expression of fear. So when they found her, police were immediately called. And the first thing they found was that cement had been mixed incorrectly and chipped away easily. This is important to remember for two reasons. First off, George Kennedy worked nearby in a cement mixing facility. And so when they found the cement, they were like, it's him. But when they tested the cement, he would know how to mix mix cement. And it was mixed so poorly that it basically at this point wasn't cement. It was essentially dirt, sand. Yeah. Like, so, it just was coming like off. Like, it, it was, like, chipping away. Yeah. And so, not that this ruled him out as suspect. He had already been ruled out by this point because of DNA. Yeah. But this was something that, when they first, they were like, oh, shit, maybe the DNA was wrong. Okay, no, this is shit cement. Yeah. So... The other reason this is important is the incorrectly mixed cement caused her body to float towards the top of the block as it hardened. So instead of sitting at the bottom with cement above her, her body floated towards the top. Oh. And it left the clear imprint of her body. And the fishermen had seen that imprint, which caused them to stop and investigate further. Oh, If God. the cement had been mixed property, they would have never found her. So because you said there was moss over the top of it, mm -hmm. so no one would have ever known there was even cement under there. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! And then even if they, for some reason, someone had, you know, been walking and kicked away the mossy dirt, buried cement's not a. It's like okay, maybe there was a construction thing here years ago or whatever. Yeah, that's not that's not going to raise any eyebrows. Like no one's going to be like, oh my god, what happened? 
So, Nevaeh's body had no signs of trauma or sexual assault. Her body um, also showed... Thank God for that. Yeah. Her body also showed that there were no drugs in her system, only some caffeine. So, okay. On June 11th, Nevaeh's obituary was printed in the Monroe News. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read a section of it because it's fucking heartbreaking. Oh, God. Nevaeh was an excellent student. She enjoyed every day at preschool and recently had graduated from the Discovery Preschool Program at Cantrick. She could often be found spending time at the playground or hanging out with her new best friend, Austin. She thought that she was hot stuff while riding around her Power Wheels Escalade or riding her scooter. Even at the age of five, Nevaeh enjoyed the sound and look of a motorcycle. It just really, to me, that really hits home that she's a five-year-old. Yeah. She just graduated preschool. The autopsy took about a month. And the results revealed something very surprising, that the burial and the encasement in concrete, which police had initially assumed was the method of disposing her body, yeah, was not a disposal technique at all. Oh my god, it was the cause of death? Yeah. <gasps> the autopsy oh found god. soil inside of her windpipe and down into her lungs. And realized that she died of asphyxiation after she'd been buried. So Nevaeh had been buried alive. Oh and my the cement God. was poured on her as she struggled and gasped for breath beneath the dirt. Oh my God. She's five. Yeah. What? And they just buried her what alive monster? and poured cement. I know. monster would do this? I, there are no words. No. For just the brutality and the... Jesus, you are picking some real fucking intense cases. I know. I'm not trying to. You're like... But... uh, Whoa. Yeah. I... After a massive flurry of activity in the first couple weeks of her disappearance, Mm -hmm. the investigation stalled and police kind of hit a dead end in their searching. The tips, which had initially come in at the hundreds during the early days uh, fell to a trickle by August of 2009 and over time the case went cold. No. On May 23rd of 2012 in an interview that was published in the Monroe News the Monroe County Sheriff said investigators are closer to arresting the person they believe is responsible for the kidnapping and murder of Nevaeh Buchanan. Six days later, on May 29th of 2012, a police investigator told the Monroe News that they were back to square one. What? No. On May 22nd of 2014, the Monroe News reported that police had a new primary suspect who wasn't one of the names mentioned in the early days of the investigation. Right. And that they have very compelling reasons leading them to believe that it's him. However, police lacked the evidence to formally charge the suspect. Right. So, they never released a name, but according to the Monroe News, the suspect was in his mid-30s and was born and raised in the area. As of 2014, he's currently in prison, serving a 10-year sentence for domestic violence. Oh. And according to court records, he was a troubled child who came from a dysfunctional family and was repeatedly suspended from school, eventually leading to his expulsion. 
Supposedly, he was interviewed at length by police while imprisoned and refused to confess to the crime. Right. So the police never revealed this person's name. The newspaper got these details. I'm not sure how. Yeah. investigative journalism. Yeah. But police never had enough evidence on this man, never could prove it or get a warrant. But he was already in jail. For 10 years for domestic violence. So, on May 23rd of 2018, Rissa Smith, who heads the group Justice for Nevea, Uh said, They say they have a man in prison that's responsible. I have a tough time swallowing that because I feel like if you can, tell me a person's name or who it is or why you think they're responsible. I feel like there should be evidence to charge him. A spokesperson for the Monroe County Sheriff's Office told 13ABC, Due to the nature of the investigation that is still ongoing, we politely decline any other comment at this time. And to this day, the murder of Nevaeh Buchanan remains unsolved. I hate this. Yeah. I hate that so much. I hate all that happened. I hate that they never caught the person. Mm -hmm. I hate that there's potential that that person is already in jail, but for something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, glad they're in jail for that, but, but that they're was not a, serving time for her. That was in 2014. It's been four years, and it, it didn't say, they didn't have the information on how long he was in there for his sentence. Yeah. So he could be out, or he could be about to be out, or he, or be the wrong person. It's just not fair. No. Everyone, I mean, it's always not fair, but... The your cases tear me up. That's why I didn't. I didn't want I see to do wh- another kid. When I when I saw something like I want to, I want to tell her story. Yeah. And yeah, I see exactly what you mean. I didn't want to pick it, but I did. Mm-hmm. I get that. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. You always pick the crazy intense ones. I know, and I don't mean to. And but <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Like that was so the f- no five no one number one should ever have to experience buried alive. No five year old. Yeah, that's just unfair. Well, I I think it's time for you to open bottle two. It is. I actually I want to open bottle two. Okay. I'm gonna get into this and um before I get into my case because yeah. Yeah. Oh, another thing I noticed is cool. I forgot there's foil on the top, so you don't see the picture. Oh, okay. That would explain why I um, had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this case, I don't know. I I'm glad that at most we record twice in a week. Yeah. Because this makes our weeks quite heavy. Yeah. Well, and we're not yet at the point to where. This is what we get to do with our lives. We Not have to yet. go to another job, and I know which can be insanely intense. Yeah, because then you're. It's like we do something really heavy like this, and we have to go to work tomorrow. I know. I'm like, oh god. I'm ready for the day that we don't have to do that. But anyway, um, yeah. well, let second me, bottles open. Yeah, let's tell me about your buried alive murder. Okay. So, the sources I used were the Chicago Tribune, Wikipedia, New York Times, LA Times, 
the oh. Illinois Court. Shit. And uh, a website called Monsters and Critics. Okay. So, and then the Illinois Court, it was the actual court document. Oh. Which was super cool to read. Yeah. Like, it was huh, maybe like 10 or so pages. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't the main court doc. It was for an appeal or whatever. But it was cool. So, a man named Stephen Small. Wait. <laughs> I feel like I have... I recognize the name. Yes. Stephen Small was born in 1947. And in 1987, which is the year of this crime, he was 39 years old. He was a broadcast and newspaper publishing heir and a very prominent businessman in in Kankakee, Illinois, okay. which is about 60 miles southwest of Chicago. Okay, so kind of like in the middle of the state. Yep. Small's dad, Burl L. Small, was president and chairman of the Mid-America Media Group, and this was a broadcasting company that owned 11 radio stations and two cable uh, TV stations. Oh, okay. He was also the former publisher of the Daily Journal of Kankakee. Oh, okay. His uncle, Lynn H. Small, was also a publisher at the Daily Journal, as well as president of Small Newspapers, Inc., series of phone calls. Okay. All right. His great-grandfather, Lynn Smith, was the governor of Illinois from 1921 to 1929. Cool. And his family also owned the controlling interest in the United Press International, and this is where Small worked. Okay. So he has a very, very broad family background. They're very wealthy. They own a lot of shit. Yeah. And clearly, in 1969, he married a woman named Nancy um, Pedersen, and he had three sons. Okay. So Small is just this prominent businessman. Everyone in the area knows who he is. He's doing very well for himself. And in September of 1987, Mm -hmm. it's around 1230 a.m. in the middle of the night, September 2nd. Okay. He gets a call on his home phone. And a building that he was renovating, which was the Bradley House building designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Mm. Someone on the phone says they're the police and that the building has been forcibly entered and there was a burglary. Okay. So he needs to go check it out. So he's yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Nancy, I'm going to go check this out. See what's going on. Yeah. At 3.30 that morning, okay. Nancy receives a phone call and the voice on the other line says, we have your husband. Oh, shit. Okay. And she can hear in the background her husband saying that he's been handcuffed and he's been placed into a box and he's going to be buried underground. Oh, shit. This kidnapper asked for a million dollars in ransom. At th- in cash. At 3 a.m. At 3 a.m. How How is she? That's what I don't understand about so many ransom calls. You can't liquidate cat Like, you, they don't have a... They probably don't have a bank account that's like $3 million. And they could just go to Chase and be like, Hi, I'd like to make a withdrawal. Like, that's not how that I know. works. I know. But I think in a lot of the cases, that's not really the motive and not really what matters. I mean, yeah. I... Fuck. Yeah. So... Of course, they told Nancy not to go to the police, and they told her that if she did not pay the ransom, she would find her husband in a box. Of course, Nancy called the police. 
Yeah. Because... That's absolutely... It's what you do. Yeah. So the police come, they wire her phones, you know, because just because the kidnapper's probably going to call back. So they're going to yeah. wire that. They want to record that. At 5.03 that afternoon, so many oh hours God. later... So 14 hours after she got the yeah, call. She got a second phone call asking how much money she'd collected already. The call was placed from a telephone located at a Phillips 66 gas station in Aroma Park, which is southeast-ish of Kanaki. Okay. And a man named Danny Edwards was seen at this gas station around this time in the company of this, of a blonde-haired woman. Okay. So just a little less than 40 minutes later at 5.40, Jean Alice Small, which was Stephen Small's aunt called Nancy at the small residence to tell them that she had just received a call. She said the caller said that she knew Nancy's phone was tapped by the police. The kidnapper on the other line then told Jean that the victim was buried and threatened to kill Jean's husband. Jesus. Nancy received another telephone call at 1128 that night. So again, many hours have passed since communication. It's 1128. The call originated from a telephone at a Sunoco station in Aroma Park. So same area, different gas station. At this place, an FBI agent saw a white male at a telephone and a blonde-haired woman in the car. This blonde-haired woman, who was also seen at the other gas station, was later identified as Nancy Risch, which was Danny Edwards' girlfriend. Okay. On this call, the kidnapper played a tape recording of Stephen Small's voice. And on this recording, Stephen provided instructions for how to deliver the ransom. Mm-hmm. And after, like, later in the investigation, after audio enhancement, there's a voice in the background threatening Small that you can hear. That's Edwards threatening him. Nancy received one more telephone call that night from the kidnapper at 11.46, so just about 20 minutes later. This one was placed from a marathon service station in in Kankakee. The caller accused Nancy of having notified the police and refused her offer of ransom. They were like, nope, we know you went to the cops. Don't want your money. Fuck. Oh, God. So, minutes later, at about 11.50, an Illinois state police officer saw... Nancy Rish's car, so the blonde woman. Yeah. The trunk's partially open, driving from Kankakee towards Aroma Park. So it's like this car is just all over the place. They're going to all these different gas stations. Um, At this time, law enforcement placed Edward's home under surveillance. One thing to note, the small family at this time was trying to gather the ransom money. Yeah. But they had a really hard time understanding the recording. They couldn't really understand what was being said in the recording over the phone on a payphone oh, or how to get you, it. Like how to, yeah, yeah, because the recording was Stephen saying, "This is how you need to deliver the ransom," and at the time, the the kidnapper was quick to get off the phone. Yeah, so there weren't there was an opportunity for questions, and this was before the call at eleven fifty when the kidnapper was like, "Nope, we know you called the cops." We're not interested in the ransom anymore. Of course they called the cops. That's... God, I... So from just a... There are easier and better ways to get a million dollars or whatever. Oh, yeah. 
You can so rob a bank. Kidnapping a can... prominent businessman in the city. And like someone everyone knows. Like you can rob a bank. You can fucking like I don't know, like do some tech shit and steal from a corporation or a banker. Like you don't have to murder. I mean, don't do the crime. Don't like don't steal and shit, but Yeah. There's there's no rhyme or reason to kill someone or hold someone for ransom it just to me it just doesn't i yeah it doesn't make sense no i totally agree just for money yeah doing all of this just it's fucking money money. what are you gonna do with million dollars like what are you what is your to buy a house like is that is that what you want to do to do to not have to work again is is that worth i mean a million dollars is gonna be enough for that but no, no i totally I mean, get what you're like, saying to buy a house in another country and move there like that's not nothing that you could do with that money justifies someone's life no um like i said they had surveillance on edward's home and they saw a dark colored buick trunk partially open like the car they'd seen previously yeah arrive at the house and this is where they determined that edwards and rish lived so the officer saw Edwards and a white woman with blonde hair being Rish leave the car and they go inside. Officers ended up carrying out a search of their residence later that morning. So this is the morning of September 3rd. Mm-hmm. And Rish and Edwards were arrested at that time. What evidence did they have? Like other than someone had spotted him on the phone at that place. They had been spotted at every single place. Oh, okay, okay. And so that was evidence that allowed them to have to, to have surveillance of their home. And then to... And then identifying, yeah. like, oh, the car that drove away from the gas station with the trunk that was partially open was the same car that went oh, to this okay, house, okay, trunk okay. partially open. Yeah. So later that same day, Edwards led law enforcement to the site where the victim was buried, so where they buried Stephen in the box. Mm-hmm. Officers dug up a wooden box and found Stephen's body inside. Fuck. Stephen had been abducted in, you know, when he was on his way to the home that he thought was being burgled. Buried alive in a homemade wooden box that was buried three feet deep in sand. Jesus. The box that he was in measured six feet long by three feet wide, and it was just made out of plywood. That can't be... I mean, I'm not sure how much cubic feet of air, like, how long someone would survive in that. Right. But that's a small enough space. I can assume you would get carbon dioxide poisoning in under 30 minutes. Yeah, it's not a very big amount of space at all. Like, Hence, you can see partially why Stephen died. Yeah. Inside the box with Stephen... There was a light that was connected to an automotive battery, a one-gallon jug of water, candy bars, gum, and a flashlight. So they so they essentially he'd be thought fine. he'd be fine. Additionally, the box had a pipe for an air filter. This pipe was made out of PVC, and it ran about twenty feet underground and then up. Yeah, that's not how air works. I know. I know. <laughs> I mean, and obviously you know, you research case, but like, okay. I do not understand why there was the 20 feet down and up. 
Well, yeah, why is really it it's three feet understand? Why is it not just a three and a half foot pipe? Yeah. That goes I straight really up. I really don't understand that. When they were examining the body, the coroner said that Stephen had been dead for several hours when he was found. He couldn't estimate how long he had been in the box, but said he probably died from suffocation or a heart attack. Yeah. Um, also, he was in his, what, 30s? He was 39. Okay. And the coroner also said that he did not believe that Stephen could live for longer than three to four hours inside the enclosed box. Yeah. This tube that Edwards and Rich put together was, they were hoping for 24 to 48 hours worth of oxygen. But as it turns out, the length of the pipe with how small the circumference was, there was not enough air. Like that was no. not... Um, an adequate air exchange system. Well, and there was no way enough air was coming in for him to survive. Well, and like, yes, carbon dioxide rises and oxygen sinks if that's the mix. Like, but even still, a straight up just because I'm assuming like a normal PVC pipe, like a inch across or whatever. They are. Yeah, just your normal that's everyday not, PVC. Unless you put your mouth to it and breathe hard to push out all that carbon dioxide you're gonna suffocate like that's obviously they weren't educated in how to properly obviously but fuck i know so danny edwards who was 30 at the time and nancy rish who was 26 were arrested in connection with the kidnapping and murder of stephen smith yeah and this kidnapping was very planned. I mean, obviously, with details down to, while not effective, the pipe. Yeah. They had a plan. Oh, absolutely. So, when it comes to the evidence against both of them, um, I'll look at them uh, separate because they did have separate trials. Okay. So, in addition to everything that I've already talked about, there was more evidence collected against Edwards, such as multiple witnesses seeing him building this wooden box in his garage that summer in 1987. Okay. He would give varying reasons slash excuses as to why he was building this box. He would say to one neighbor, oh, it's a lemonade stand. To another neighbor, oh, it's for my brother's pool. So... What the fuck is a pool gonna do with it? I don't even know. It's like a fucking wooden box. No idea. And... When they searched his residence, they found a city telephone book that had the name Small circled. So, like, he picked out his victim. Yeah. His boots were found behind his washer and dryer, and the soil on the boots matched the sample from the location where the box was buried. It blows my mind that he's planning enough to hide the boots, because he... You know, yeah. for the soil or whatever got on them. But not planning enough to dispose of them. Yeah. No, he doesn't sound like a very smart But criminal. just smart enough to think, ooh, I should hide these. Because I, I'm pretty sure behind the washer and dryer is not the normal place they go. Like, no. he's, he's okay. hiding them. But it's just weird that he thought enough to hide them. But not enough to dispose them. Right. Like, did you just really like those boots? Right. Well, there was also soil in his car that matched the same sample. Yeah. 
white caulking material on gloves found in his trash matched the same chemical composition of the caulking material that was used to fill in some of the seams around the wooden box. Jesus. Um, his fingerprints were found all over the PVC pipe and the duct tape recovered from inside the box. A person who owed Edwards money had a pair of handcuffs that were stolen from him. The same pair was later discovered on Stephen inside the box. Who owns a pair? Oh. Another person who owed Edwards money had a gun stolen and it was found by investigators in the countryside near Aroma Park. So there was a gun involved probably for threatening. And, yeah, absolutely. And um, Edwards purchased a battery that was found in the wooden box. So I guess they found the receipts. Like they oh knew my. Found. So like literally yeah, like. Literally everything Edwards Everything. Bolt clippers owned uh, that belonged to a company owned by Edwards' brother were found at the point where the box was uncovered and where the victim's car was found. Uh, so somewhere in between like in the in the forest or whatever. Yeah. And they could have been what was used to cut the chain of the handcuffs that was on the victim's wrists. So yeah. I guess they chopped them before they threw them in the box and buried them. Oh, know. cool. He can use both hands and suffocate. To eat those candy bars and drink the water. God. After the jury heard all of the evidence, they found Edwards guilty of first-degree murder and yeah. aggravated kidnapping. Yeah. A capital sentencing hearing was then conducted. Okay. And at the first stage of this hearing, the juries found Edwards eligible for the death penalty because of his commission of murder during the course of another felony, aggravated kidnapping. God, yeah. So he was sentenced to death. I I guess I didn't realize that Illinois is a death penalty state. It was in the 80s. So I'll, okay. I'll get back to that, okay, but it okay. was in the 80s. So now we're looking at Nancy Risch. Yes. And again... His girlfriend. She requested this specific attorney, J. Scott Swaim, who okay. had previously represented her. So, oh, so she's been doing this before. Yep. yep. And she was given the opportunity to obtain his counsel. What she didn't know is Swaim was friends with Stephen. So, yeah. Yeah. For the next four days, between September 4th and September 8th, the police questioned her with her counsel present. She stated eight different statements concerning her knowledge of the actions in the early days of September, mm-hmm. so around when this was happening. I will say, and I, I'm going to interrupt because okay. I do yeah, have to yeah. add that although it is fucked up in this particular case, I feel like the attorney should have disclosed his conflict of interest because... She should also be given a fair trial with fair representation. Granted, I don't know. He might have been friends with... uh, He might have been friends with Stephen and still been able to provide just, like, sound legal judgment. But I feel like that's something he should have been upfront about. And just because, again, everyone deserves a fair trial. Absolutely. And I couldn't tell you exactly what his approach was to this. I believe, I, I would hope he did give her a fair trial or yeah. try to be her representative. But this was also a very small town where everyone knew everyone. Absolutely. But I still, I don't know. That, again, in this case, from what I've heard, it seems like, oh, of course she's guilty. But she should still have strong legal representation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone should. 
Absolutely. Yeah. But so for these four days, she gave eight separate statements. None of them were consistent with any of the others. Oh. So they were all varying statements as to what happened in these early days of September. Well, I was driving. Well, I don't know how to drive. On October 1st. Okay. Um, Rich was charged by indictment with first degree murder and aggravated kidnapping for alleged role in small step. Yep. On November 2nd, 1988, so nearly like over a year later, Mm -hmm. she was tried by a jury. Oh. No direct evidence was presented linking her to the kidnapping and death of Stephen Small. However, the state was able to enter her eight inconsistent statements as evidence. Okay. Quite interesting, right? Um, okay. There were also witnesses who presented and testified that they had seen her at various times with Edwards Mm -hmm. when he was purchasing some of the items that would be used um, on Stephen Smith's body. So, the battery, whatever. Well, and she was also seen at the gas stations and stuff, right? She was. Okay. Okay. And that's the next thing. Okay. Uh, I mean, like, witnesses reported they observed her at various locations um, where the ransom calls were taking place. Yeah. Okay. So, lastly, the state submitted evidence that Edwards has had used their garage. They lived together to build mm-hmm. the box. So, the box was built in the garage of the home she lived in. Okay. Now, My... whether she knew about that or what it was going to be used for, we'll get into that later. My only thought so far from a devil's advocate, yeah. defense lawyer pers- point of view, yeah, he's building something in the garage. Cool. Maybe she doesn't know about it. Maybe she doesn't give a shit about his different hobbies. Okay. She's with him when he's buying things. Doesn't mean she's involved. Okay. She's with him when he's at these gas stations. Again, their dating does not mean she's involved. She's not, she might not also be there standing at the phone hearing what he's saying. Right. And you're a little bit foreshadowing. Oh, sorry. what I'm going to get to. No, no, no. Your thought process is absolutely... <laughs> maybe I should have been a lawyer. Well, just listen to the rest. Okay. Um, maybe you should have. So, the jury found her guilty on both accounts, murder and aggravated kidnapping, where she was sentenced to a term of natural life imprisonment and a concurrent 30-year term. The fuck is natural life imprisonment? Until she dies. Okay. That makes sense. Also, fuck... Yep. Because you know how life in prison actually has a year yeah, attached? Yeah, natural life is actually until you die. I think. Huh. I think that's the difference. I will admit I did not look that up, but to me, that is what that sounds like. No, absolutely. Natural life, how long you live. Unnatural life. How long you haunt people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would haunt the fuck out of people. On January 11th, 2003, Illinois Governor George Ryan, a native of Kankakee, which, side note, I realize I keep saying that name fucking wrong. Okay. I keep looking at it and reading it, and it's Kankakee, and... But it in Oklahoman, it, it would be Kanaki. Kanaki. Which I think is why I keep reading it that way. Yeah. Because we're not from the Midwest. Sorry, I'm not from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah, but, but it... Okay. Kankakee. Kankakee. Um, he commuted all death row sentences in Illinois to life imprisonment. Oh, This included okay. Edwards. Okay. 
And I read a New York Times article that was saying that Edwards did not want this. He pleaded that, you know, either set me free or let me die. He didn't want it life in prison. Essentially sounds like he wanted what could, quote unquote, be said as the easier way out. Depending yeah. on your perspective. Yeah. Which well, is why I quoted yeah. it. He's also, I mean, he was 30 when he did this. So at this point, this is, what, 20 years later, more or less? 15 years later. Yeah. He's, you know, 45. It's either this could be over soon or I could reasonably live another 40 years here. I get it. I get it. But he doesn't get to pick that. No, that's not his choice in the same way it wasn't Stephen Small's choice to be buried alive to death. I know. And when it comes to, I will say, and then I'll get back to the the next part of this, but the reason was money. Like, there was no real reason. Because then he even told Nancy, like, oh, I don't want your ransom anymore. Which surprised me, because it's like, well, if money's your point, then why why would you turn it down when you're close to getting it? Well, and it just... Like, looking from his perspective, and this is terrible, but it's like, you could take the money and be like, oh, okay, here you go, here's where you find him, and he's already dead, but you got the money. Like... I mean, he, obviously, they he were very quickly caught. He would have been caught because he was not smart. No, they were not but not smooth at just this at all. In general, I it's just money. It's just money. It's just you can't take it with you when you die. You can't take it with you when you die, and money can only buy so much. You can't do a life on a million dollars. No. Because even, let's say, let's say, conservatively, 30 grand a year is what it costs to live. You're living cheap. 33.333, because that makes the math easier. Yeah. A million dollars lasts you 30 years. Like, that's it. Your math is terrifying, and I hate it. Sorry. Your math is too real. But it's, that's, that's what a million dollars is. And granted, there are people out there who live on much less than that and are happy and love, and aren't holding fucking people for ransom. Yep. Well, and what... Money's not that important. I mean, it's it, not. it is. Because I have been broke, crying every night. Ramen noodles is 25 cents and but that's what you eat. But I still agree with your statement of money is not that important. It's important exactly. enough to do this to another person. Exactly. Money is important. Money is important as much as we put importance on yeah. it. Because I, I honestly definitely can understand, not necessarily agree with, but definitely understand people who steal because they don't have food. Well, and also, I will say, I just, sorry, I want to interject. Yeah. I never said they didn't have money. I never said oh, they were struggling for money. Oh, I know. I'm just... So... I'm just, just putting it as the, if you could shine the best light on them, they're still shit fucking people. Right. But, because I can, I can understand people who would steal if they have no food. Right. It's not right, but I get it. I get that as well. And I can understand totally people that. who have an absolute need 
and no way to provide some kind of reciprocation for that need, taking it because they have to. I get it. This is not that case, and I just no. don't understand. It, it's something that just I it I I don't understand it. It doesn't it it doesn't click in my mind. I guess. No, I don't understand it either. I never, I don't understand why you would go to such extremes for money. Yeah. So in 2015. Mm-hmm. Recent. Yeah. Just a few years ago, the trial court granted her leave to file a successive post-conviction petition. Okay. And in this petition, she alleged that actual innocence pertaining to her convictions for aggravated kidnapping and the death of Stephen Small. Okay. Her evidence that she brought forth was that Edwards wrote two affidavits that included newly discovered material, but also conclusive that if the jury were to hear this in a retrial, it would result in a different outcome. Okay. The affidavit stated that Edwards actively worked to conceal his plot to kidnap Stephen and secure this ransom from her. And so I'm just going to read a few points that he wrote in the affidavit saying that Nancy Rich had no idea what he was doing. Okay. So he said, I alone planned and committed the kidnapping of Mr. Small, which resulted in his unintended death. I mean, you fucking buried the dude alive. You buried him alive and he died. It's fucking... It's... You killed him. Unintended my ass. Yeah. I never told Nancy Rich about the kidnapping either during the planning stage, the commission of the kidnapping, or making of ransom demands. So he's saying, I didn't include Nancy. She had no idea. Okay. In fact, I actively worked to conceal my plan from Nancy Rich so she would have no knowledge of what I was doing. Okay. Okay. Honestly, again, it goes back to my original point of technically all the evidence against her is that she was with him while he was doing this. Yeah. She could have been completely unaware and just been like, why are we going on a tour of middle Illinois gas stations or what? But it's not unbelievable. No, it's not. It's not. And lastly, the last thing he said, Nancy Risch did not knowingly participate or aid me in any way in the planning or carrying out of the kidnapping of Stephen Small or with my ransom demands to the Small family. Okay. So that's the last thing he said. Yeah. Additionally, the testimony that Nancy gave in her first trial was used where she said she had no idea what was happening. She went with Edwards for a drive to the stores which I guess when he was buying the shit, she just happened to be with him. Mm-hmm. She did notice this wooden box in the garage that he'd been building was all of a sudden gone. And she did later follow him to some gas stations, but he had been dealing with a lot of drug deals. Like that was something he was yeah. involved in. So her assumption was that's what he was doing. Honestly, so she was staying back and letting him do his shit. Honestly, with that insight, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, like if she's dating someone, she's like, oh, he's either buying or selling drugs. I don't want to fucking be involved in it. I'm going to go park the car over here. Yep. 
And she's uh, just away from it. So there, in my mind at least, granted, I'm not at the trial. I'm not seeing all the evidence. Right. But in my mind right now, there's absolutely credible doubt. I, from everything I read, I think so as well. She, I, I read her story from her original testimony saying, mm-hmm. again, that he was dealing with these these drug deals and that he had, you know, she just didn't want to be involved in that. And that he would say things like, oh, I'm going to go call, I don't remember the name, so we'll just say Scotty. Oh, I'm going to go call Scotty. You just wait in the car. Oh, sorry, Scotty didn't answer. I think there was... Something with maybe, like, her bike needed to be repaired. I, I really can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm very fuzzy on those details. Well, it's okay. But, but honestly... But it's just a lot of the benefit of the doubt things. Yeah. Because... And that's... That's something I always... I always try to do in situations where my first reaction is to assume one thing. Yeah. Is I always try to look at, okay... What is the perfect storm of things to happen where I would see it as this way, but it's completely not? Yeah. And now, it's something I try to do in work, in life, to just try to reset my perspective to to provide the benefit of the doubt or to see things from another perspective. Oh, yeah, totally. And honestly, again, again... Not in the trial, so I'm not seeing all the evidence that was presented to the jury. Right. But, yeah, this, you know, if if what you've told me is something I was presented on the jury, I would have credible doubt to her involvement in the murder. I know. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. However, on November 2nd, 2015, the trial court issued a written decision granting the stage motion, motion to dismiss oh. her 2015 successive petition. And they found that her petition was insufficient as a matter of law to establish actual innocence. They didn't feel that the evidence that she brought forward in this petition would have changed the jury's mind during the retrial. Again, honestly, they brought she brought forward someone who is convicted of murder, who's who's going to go down, and for all intents and purposes, knows that. Yeah. His can his statement that oh she wasn't involved, which literally means nothing. Exactly. Like so honestly, it, I also understand on that end. I do too. Like while what he's saying could in fact be mm-hmm. true, the fact that he has already been convicted of this crime and was on death row and then now is life. Mm-hmm. How can you trust him? Like, like why uh, wouldn't he do her a favor? Yeah. What does he have to lose? If he, he if he's lying, if he's like, oh, she absolutely knew, but I'm in here forever. Maybe I can lie and say that uh, she had no idea. Yeah. And obviously our defense is, I had no idea. So basically. I, I totally understand both sides. Yeah. They were just like, nope, sorry, this isn't enough yeah. to warrant a retrial. It wouldn't change the jury's mind. Um, so she is still serving life. And then one last little tidbit of information that I now really want to look into this. But this case was featured earlier this year on February 15th, 2018 in James Patterson. Like the guy who writes all the novel the freaking, guy. Yeah. He who writes, writes a novel every 30 seconds about he does. murder. All about murder. All yeah. these fiction novels. So he has a TV show huh. called Murder is Forever on Investigation Discovery. A, I kind of really want to watch it. 
But anyway, so there's an episode. So it was season one, episode five, aired on February 15th of this year. Oh, right after Valentine's Day. That's Right after nice. Valentine's Day. You know, it's like, let's celebrate this horrible, terrible crime. So that was the case of Stephen Small, who was bared alive for his money. Fuck. With someone who thought, who was stupid enough to think that he could actually live in a fucking box with some snacks, water, and a fucking PVC pipe tube. God. Okay. I don't... I mean, this was one doozy of a topic. Yeah. Just thinking of the terror he felt. Because I'm sure it ran through his mind that if they left me snacks, they left me water, they think I can survive down here. They're not going to check on me. I'm suffocating. That, that they me, were yeah. too stupid to know that that is not how someone can fucking survive buried underground. To me, that's one of the most horrifying things about being buried alive is you are just so, in every sense that you have, you are so aware that you're dying. Yeah. I can't imagine suffocating to death. No. Like, that is so scary. Just the thought of your breaths becoming more and more difficult. Yeah. And as you breathe in, it's less and less effective. Yeah, you're just... you're still breathing, but you're just... You you need to breathe more next time. It's just that it, it takes time. You don't... I mean, when... No, not even when you're... Straight, like, it, it takes time to suffocate. Right. And it's a different... When you think about drowning... Yeah. You're trying to gasp in air and you're taking in water. Yeah. And it's essentially the same aspect of you're you're breathing in, quote unquote, something that is not correct. Mm -hmm. But it's different because when you're drowning, I feel like that's quicker because it's less time with no oxygen. Yeah. Whereas when you're like buried alive or something, you're still getting some Some oxygen. oxygen. Yeah. But not when you are buried alive or things like that, you don't die from lack of oxygen. You die from carbon uh, dioxide poisoning. You die because what you're breathing out, you're continuing to breathe in. It attaches to your blood cells instead of oxygen, and they can't carry the oxygen. So you're not running out of air and boom, you're unconscious, you're dead. You're slowly poisoning yourself with every breath that you breathe in and every breath you exhale out. You're poisoning yourself more and more. Yeah. And could you imagine, I mean, Stephen went through that for three to four hours. Yeah, which is insane because I would assume you would die much quicker, I know, with, with his kidnappers presumably thinking that he's fine. It's so senseless. I mean, all of the cases we do, all of the murders we do... None of them have reason. There's never a reason to fucking murder someone. No. It is very much such a torture to be buried alive. And a torture that... yeah. It's so inhumane. It's so... Yeah. Dark. Like, that's the... That's the only way I think of it is it's just dark and fucked up. It's insanely fucked up. And the thought that anyone regardless of, like, their malice or whatever, would want to put another person through that mm-hmm. is so dark and disturbing. Yeah. On that, Fuck I think it. we like, should yeah. jump into postmortem. Postmortem. 
we both brought forth really intense cases, and this topic in, in itself was insanely intense. Honestly, Jeremy, I'm giving you some eyes, because this case, or just this topic... Intense. Yeah. This Super is intense. a lot. We've so, had a lot of intense episodes recently. And this is adding to This that is talent. just... It's more and more intense. Jeremy, rude. <laughs> rude, but great topic. Honestly, yeah. So, I would say I think you won because I just can't get the picture of Nevaeh being buried alive mm-hmm. with dirt and cement thrown on her and oh, her yeah. breathing that in and her... the the. The fact that her look of fear was captured in the cement, no. I no. can't handle that I, type that's, of imagery and memory. and I. That's exactly what keeps going through my mind, is the fact that the dirt, when she was being buried alive, was not only found in her throat, in her trachea, it was found in her lungs. She breathed it in. It wasn't she, she swallowed it, or it wasn't she took a gasp in it, but she was fighting and breathing and some and it's unsolved they they think they maybe have someone who's currently in prison but don't have enough evidence to actually do anything about it which if you don't have enough evidence doesn't mean anything right it means you think they did it right and while i just yeah and uh, while uh steven small's murder was insane and pointless and all i mean all of them are pointless but his was it's fucking money, and it's... Well, and the fact that it was such a media sensation, because he was someone who was insanely well-known in the community, this mm-hmm. this case captivated the nation. So while that one was horrific in every aspect... What gets me about your case is the killers were stupid. They were. The, the, they like, did not cover they the tracks. They thought that he like... would be fine with this janky ass PVC pipe yeah, thing. Like no. they, they didn't look into what happens when you breathe through a straw. Cause basically that's what they're asking him to do. And mm-hmm. uh, sorry to break it to you, you can't really do that. No. And it it's the He would have had to been literally had his mouth up to the pipe, breathing in and out, and hoping that he was pressing out hard enough to get the carbon but he obviously wouldn't out. be because it goes sideways for so long. Because, yeah, carbon dioxide rises, but on that sideways length of the tube, it's just going to rise to the sideways length of the tube until it fills it. Like, it, yeah. there's not there's not an airflow going. Stupid criminals. What fucks me up about that, and what, but they didn't intend to do it, and they still did... It's just so fucked up. Well, and it's also they didn't not intend to do it. Exactly. I yeah, I think that's what it is. They did they didn't care. If he died if he didn't they wanted a million dollars. Yeah. Woo. Which is just which nothing. Yeah. I, I mean granted in the eighties it's more than it is now, but still but it's, it's the eighties is not money. that long ago. It's what, one and a half million dollars, two? It's fucking money. I but agree. Yeah. Nevea she was Five and she's playing outside on her fucking scooter. I know. And kidnapped and murdered. So yeah. I guess next week you get to pick our one again. I know I'm transitioning to but not talking I about the heavy stop. shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just next week you'll pick I'll the pick wine. I'll pick the wine. I'll pick the topic. And it'll be um easier than this. We'll see what I come up with. Okay. 
Like us, comment, leave a review, um, leave let us, us a know review how much, on iTunes. or let us know what you love about it. Yep. Um, we love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you guys so much. XOXO. Blood and Wine signing off. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.